Hello and welcome to We're Listening, the podcast all about Frasier. I'm Will. I'm Key. And this week we are looking at Season 2, Episode 12, Roz in the Doghouse, in which Roz suffers an injury at KACL and subsequently becomes Bulldog's producer, much to Frasier's disdain. So in this episode, Key, Roz suffers a foot injury. Have you ever suffered a similar injury or indeed broken a bone? Uh, I've broken my, I've broken a few bones. Um, Have you? Talk us yeah, through them. Fortunate enough never to break my leg or anything like that, but... um. Okay. broke my, my wrist a couple of times Mike the first time I was about four and was chasing a dog <laughs> and I fell down on a step like a singular step onto the like my nan's like the, the step onto the porch mm-hmm. um, the back door and I fell down a singular step landed awkwardly and broke my right wrist oh god <laughs> that's devastating as well it's such a lovely kind of story that turns sour so fast <laughs> and then I um I broke the same wrist again when I was about um, 13 or 14 when I was just at school messing up. I don't remember how it happened, to be honest with you. I think I was just falling awkwardly again. I actually um, think I have a vague memory of you in a in a sling or something at school. Was that was that the it, wrist injury? Did you actually break an arm at some point? No, it was just, just a wrist. Just a wrist. And it was a full-on um, break. It wasn't like a sprain or anything. It was, it was either a break or a fracture or something. Jeez. Um, yeah, it was because I'd just, um, I'd just come back off after having been off with my appendix. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the second day back... I broke my wrist. Oh my god, you curse. I mean, I'm gonna have to touch every amount of every piece of wood in my room right now, but I have never I, I don't even want to say it. But I all I'll say is I do not share <laughs> your stories, Key, is what I will say. I'm not gonna say the words because I feel like black magic it will uh it will kind of yeah tempt fate too much. Um Will but listeners will will um he'll go off with um peritonitis next week <laughs> when his appendix bursts, and the week after he'll break his wrist. Thank you, like some evil shaman. <laughs> passing your hex onto me. Um, if it actually happens, I'm going to feel so guilty now. <laughs> oh, I, I will make you feel guilty. I'll make you sign my cast and everything and send me a fruit basket with a lovely watch like last week's. No, two <laughs> weeks ago episode. Um, okay, so this week we're obviously looking at Ross and the Doghouse Ski, but before we get to the review, are you ready to tuck yourself into Trivia Corner? I'm indeed. Excellent. So we've been sending some questions, as usual, by our resident quiz masters, Corey and Hamish, Mischief Knight and Cam Winston, and I believe you've prepared some for me as well. So I'll kick things off and I will read Hamish's to you. Um, and of course, Missy and Niall have sent in some too. So let me just get these up. Um, okay. Question numero uno from Hamish on Ross in the Dark House. What colour is Frasier's cardigan in the opening scene? Mm. I don't even remember him wearing a cardigan. Neither do I, actually. The, the answer kind of makes, uh, explains that a little bit, that the fact that we can't remember too much. But It's, it's going to be a complete shot in the dark because I do not remember. Um, in a say, I mean, what colour is a cardigan? Um, I don't know. You can get them in all sorts. Okay. <laughs> <They're too laughs> you, you can actually buy many different kinds yeah. of cardigan. <laughs> They've got, had a bit of a, a bit of a death recently but i feel like the cardigan's poised for a comeback isn't your brother a big cardigan fan and you oh, we talked about this actually he was back in like the mid noughties when they were like big at top man um he has subsequently grown out of that <laughs> there you go okay i'm just gonna i've only ever really seen cardigans in gray so i'm gonna say gray just as a oh, shot in the dark you're not a million miles away it's white it is a white cardigan oh, okay. and brackets it's under his suit apparently which i mean wearing a cardigan under a suit is seems to me like fashion faux pas but there we go um <laughs> also a white one white anything that's not a t-shirt i feel like you're just begging like ketchup or something to just get spilt down the front of it it's a genuinely slippery whenever game. i 
whenever I'm wearing anything white and I'm, I'm stopping to eat, I often change my shirt before oh, I eat. I, have been I don't known trust to, myself. Yeah, I've been known to just literally just eat topless <laughs> because otherwise <laughs> it's going straight down. Um, I'm, I'm exactly the same. I, I spill food down me most nights. I'm a, I like a child. Okay, question two. Finish this line. Whoa, the whole house is a bedroom. Blank. I think it, it's Bulldog, isn't it? As he goes into Roz's place. Like, Whoa, this whole house is a bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to get the bulldog bark. Can, can we edit that out? It came out much, much higher pitched than I expected. It's not even that it was higher pitched. It sounds like not a, not a bulldog, but like a little terrier. Like, ruff, ruff. <laughs> <laughs> the whole house in the bedroom. Ruff. <laughs> ruff, ruff, ruff. <laughs> there you go. Oh um, my God. What an I think we pitch. know what I was aiming and spectacularly missed. <laughs> we do, but you got it. You got it right. You got a point there. Okay, so some salvage points here. Let's see if you can bring it home. <laughs> what does Bulldog do at the end of his Wednesday NFL picks show? It's, a, it's it's basically a segment on his Wednesday NFL pick radio show. This um, It's a phrase, I think, that has quite a different meaning over here. Yeah, we're going to really need to talk about this because I don't know the other meaning. <laughs> okay, I, I, I think I might know the other meaning. Um, okay. But I think, is it is Boner of the Week? <laughs> it is Boner yeah. of the Week. Do you, I mean, we could save that for the review, but people, maybe Americans are going to be like, why the hell are you, are you laughing? But I feel like they use Boner over there. I've heard it in like the film Superbad. So, yeah. Yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But yes, Key is the boner of the week. Um, so you got two out of three on Hamish's. Missy's question. What is the name of the magazine that the last replacement producer is reading? I love this question. And, and amazingly, I tried to make a note of this when I saw him reading it. And I only kind of half took it in um but there you go so what's the name of this magazine the producer's reading i think i might know this because i um oh, i was like wow one of my questions is quite focused around the replacements so i was trying to pay really attention to this oh. um i think is it like hunting and trails or hunter and trails it absolutely is it is hunting and trails that is well played key i i when i i mean i, I said to you before we went on air I, I watched this episode about a week ago so um, it's not super fresh in my head, but I remember distinctly hunting was on the on the front. I don't think I could make out the second word on the the quality of the stream I was watching wasn't very good. But hunting and trails, yeah, very incongruous with with Fraser there. So just a nice little visual gag that this guy clearly has nothing in common with Fraser. Um, and finally, from Niles, Niall uh, Marsh rather, Niles in brackets. Fraser mentions Ross's boot collection. How many pairs of boots are there? God. Um, question. I actually forgot about this. I don't even remember this happening in the episode. So, great question because it's blindsided. Uh, I remember him walking in and, and saying something about um, it wouldn't be easier to like have notches on the bedpost instead or something like that. Yeah. Didn't count the boots. Oh, um, let me count. He's just complete. <laughs> Complete shot in the dark. It's got to be. A, I think it's got to be a high number because otherwise, obvious. I mean, you wouldn't four or five pairs of boots. I wouldn't make a comment. Mm -hmm. Got to be higher than that. Um, okay, I'm gonna go really hard. I'm gonna say nine. Oh, it's just somewhere in the middle, Kate. Seven. Oh, seven. Seven pairs of boots. I mean, how are you with footwear how, right now in your flat? How many pieces of items of footwear, pairs of footwear, do you own? And this includes everything. I, want I own. Just tally them up in your head, and I'll do the same for me. Okay, I've got mine. Actually, have I? I've got mine. Okay, what's yours? Four. Four. Nice. Talk me through them. We like got sportswear, smartwear, trainers, trainers. Nice pair of shoes. Nice. 
some like more casual shoes like com well like it's not actually vans it's like a knockoff version but mm, so i hear cathedral bells <laughs> <laughs> and um work shoes work shoes nice i've got um yeah i've got running shoes a pair of trainers a pair of crappy trainers that i wear <laughs> before i go to football uh, and finally what's the other pair and like, like you a pair of smart shoes there you go we're not quite hitting Ross's Ross's heights but we're uh we've got our we've got our pairs so go, we need to go shoe shopping we do, we, we do we need to get to this blind cobbler in Italy to <laughs> knock us up a few pairs do you want to read your questions out now and then I'll see things to a close with Mischief Night so okay my first question mm -hmm. how many replacements to Ros do we see oh this. This is one. This is a gimme. I should be getting this instantly, but I have a feeling I'm not going to. We have the hunting and trails guy. We have weird, weird Barry or whatever his name is. Um, weird something. I think there's the the old woman that smokes loads. There's the really attractive woman that Fraser's like distracted by. That's, <laughs> I am. Um, I put her down as something else, but I'm not sure if I should say on her. <laughs> what did you put her down as? Okay, I can end I it now. I, I had her as the busty lady. <laughs> <laughs> the busty. That's very PG. We don't have to edit that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm gonna say five. Oh well. Oh. It's um. I I I make six. Oh okay. This is not four. I'd worked out four, I think, and then couldn't remember the other. Also, quite frustrated because I was going to ask you what is the name of the first replacement? Weird, um, and you would have got it wrong. It's um, it's weird, Bruce. Weird Bruce. Weird Bruce is much funnier than Weird Barry as well. Bruce is just <laughs> a naturally funny name. Um, no I have any Bruce is listening. Placements as Bruce, mm -hmm. weird old Bruce. woman, <laughs> the cat lady, the cat lady. Yeah, lady with like I love cats and all mm. this everywhere. Busty yeah. lady busty lady the guy who had a complete nightmare and put his head on the table oh yeah and hunting and trails man who's the one that smokes loads is the old woman i think the old woman smokes loads yeah, yeah. there you go well played okay that is six um, nice now the six okay, um my second question i should say i think i've got four this week because i didn't want to um in case we did have any overlaps again no that's um, fine go for it my second question mm-hmm what colour is Daphne's coat? Oh. See her in Cafe Nervosa with the coat. Bugger, 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 bugger. She wore a red slash orange one last week. Would she wear the same again? I mean, I've got nothing else to go on, so I'm going to have to say the same one as last week, so that orangey-red colour. Give it to you. I've, I've put down red. Oh, but, uh, I wonder if it is the one we talked about last week then that she keeps wearing to go to the park. Maybe. Well, I, I can't actually remember last week's one. The costume so. department forking out for another coat seems a bit gratuitous, so maybe it is the same one. Okay, so um, you've got one out of two so far. Will doing well. Mm -hmm. Doing well, mate. Thanks, lad. Third question: mm -hmm. What is Bulldog Rock's shirt when he first goes to Roz's place? What is his shirt? It's on his shirt. Um. <sighs> So it's like a pattern, is it? Or is it like a motif? Um, I think you'd say a piece of merchandise, maybe. Oh. Maybe like I'm, a... I, oh. I struggle to make it out. I think it is this. People feel... Uh, listeners, please feel free to correct me if you disagree. So it's like um, a repeated pattern, is it? All, across, all over the shirt? No, no, it's not a repeated pattern. Oh, okay. Oh, man. He wears a lot um, of golf-related clothing, so it could be like something related to golf, like ping or... <clears throat> Um, obviously baseball, he wears like, he wears rugby shirts too. He wears baseball shirts and letterman jackets and things like that. Um, they, do you want me to give you a clue? Yeah, you go for it. It's a, a, a particular, uh, I don't know if you'd say franchise or, um, oh, okay. Team. 
Let's say I don't want to give it make it too obvious. That might make it a bit too obvious. A but. franchise. All that makes me think of is the Yankees. So I'm going to say the New York Yankees. I think it is the Seattle. Um, I think it's the Sonics. Oh man, Books. I don't think the Sonics exist anymore. Actually, um, looks like it says um, Super Sonics on the shirt. And when I googled their like logo, um, it looks very similar. So I think it's a Seattle Super Sonics shirt. Wow. That, okay, Kate, you're not going to believe this. The the Sonics. Um, otherwise known as the Seattle Supersonics, which is their full name. They ceased to be in 2008, relocated to Oklahoma City, and are now known as Oklahoma City Thunder. So they basically moved like halfway across the, the country. And, this is something that really yeah. confuses me about American sports, mm-hmm. is that they move around a lot. They do. And yeah, it's the closest we've ever had to that was the whole Wimbledon, MK Dons, AFC Wimbledon thing. Like, you know, that's the that's the best we have. It's it's completely it's, over there. It's like, oh, let's move a thousand miles. It's crazy. It would not, it doesn't, it's not tolerated in this country. If you tried to do it, the, oh, I mean, MK Dons and Wimbledon, there is genuine hatred there still. Yeah, like violence mm. breaks out. I mean, if you I tried mean, to like rename name Villa Birmingham City or vice versa I mean it just would never happen I mean not even with like laws being passed would it happen so very long tangent for a question but um <laughs> on to my uh, my final question who was Bulldog trying to interview when he was thrown into a locker oh is this separate to the guy who he's talking about having to paint their toenails um is or... separate to the guy oh. who he painted their toenails yeah Man, I'm trying to think of the people that get mentioned in this episode. Wayne Gretzky gets mentioned um, just after Wayne Gretzky. Uh, uh, it's his response to that. Yes, I think. it's like I, I tried to interview someone and got thrown in a locker. Um, can you tell me what sport they're related to? To be honest, I'll have to Google it because I've never heard of them before. Right. Okay. Um, I'm guessing it's a baseball player. I don't know why. Um, it is an American football player. Ah. Uh, I won't know it then. Um, I'm going to have to Back, guess like Because this is not going to be a clue for you because you're not going to know. Um, but he, uh, apparently, the only person to participate in both of the last two Chicago Bears League Championships as a player in 1963 and as a head coach in 1985. Oh, man. I actually think I was on his Wikipedia page the other day and I don't know how I got there. Tell me his name, Kay. Uh, Mike Dicker. Oh, okay. I wasn't. I wasn't on his Wikipedia page. Uh, it might have just been a spillover from Brian's song, um, like because obviously that involved the bears. So there we go. But um, well, you, um, you didn't do it all right. I think was it one out of four? I think one out of four. <laughs> yeah, you did all right. Uh, not too bad. Not too bad. There were some good questions, but some curveballs there. Well, let's see what Mischief Knight has cooked up for UK over on the Reddit. So let me grab these. So question at numero uno. As best we know, as of this episode. How many times has Bulldog painted toes? I think I might know this because he, he paints roses in his episode, if mm-hmm. we're counting that. And um, he says that he paints, he painted, I think, George Foreman's toes four times, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, five, I'm going to say. Five is absolutely spot on, Kate. Well played. And you showed your workings for extra marking as well. So well played. <laughs> Feels like a maths exam. He's always going to show you working. <laughs> well, you got an A plus there. Um, question two, what is the metaphor used to describe the level of inebriation of Yoshi, Maris, and Nas's beloved gardener? Okay, um, I think he was drunk as a lord. He and was. 
did he um he put like a, a goat man or a goat boy into their um oh, the, the yeah hedge. goat boy or goat man is one of the phrases um which there's actually like a very famous creepy pasta on the internet called um goat man um so anytime i see this now i just think of that really scary story um but yeah drunk as a lord not really something i've i've heard that often but it, I mean, it makes complete sense historically i just don't think it's I, more we get drunk as a skunk over here and um um as a newt um, yes yeah um weirdly enough what not i think what most people think it means because people think like newts they're in water that's you know mm. um but i think it, it actually stands for i think there was a job and the um the letters made up newt and they were like known as heavy drinkers ah uh, i could be completely wrong i'm sure i heard that somewhere it might be nonsense ah it's something to explore mm. for sure so there we go um okay question final question for for mr chief knight and to bring trivia corner to a close this week uh, what insult does bulldog Ruff. not take offense what is he called that he doesn't take offense at because his response um, is now before you say something that offends me which is hilarious like a, he's a horny little slime or slime ball something like that i'm going to give you that key that's basically your 75 percent there it's horny low class slime ball um, which is just very <laughs> cutting. Um, but yeah, it's like, now before you say something that offends me, like, it's amazing from Dan Butler, but yeah, we'll get to that. Um, but yes, thank you everyone. Thank you, Hamish. Thank you, Corey, for sending in your questions. And of course, thank you, Key, for your delightfully tricky ones this week. Um, but I say that, you could ask me easy ones, I'd still get it wrong. I am I am, <laughs> I am very much the unsung villain of Trivia Corner. I don't know, you've, you've had a good few weeks recently, I think. I was okay last week. The one we like, with, yeah, with Seat of Power, getting the, uh, the Danny Creed or ones and stuff that was a, a high i'm gonna i'm gonna be living on for the rest of the year um so over to ros in the doghouse title animation key what was it please lights coming on it was lights in the window the skyline lining up we then open in kscl frazier's kind of roy joke at marriage um i can't remember who he's speaking to if you made a note of the, the woman that's ringing um, i think he's called he's speaking to marie marie and just who is <laughs> calling from a payphone <laughs> the, did i mention i'm calling from a payphone um <laughs> I, I've got to be, I mean, that's hilarious in its own right, but I've got to be honest here, Frazier's advice in this instance is extremely poor. This is one of the moments where he doles out his balloon juice, as uh, it's called in a, in a later episode. And it's just, he's basically speaking entirely in platitudes and generalizations. The advice is just naff. This woman's phone, you know, spending money to call on a payphone. He, his advice amounts to basically a sentence or two. His whole advice is, um, I'd give him a shot, but I'd uh, keep that caution ball blitz. That's, like, that's it. That what? Well, I mean, what? 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 What use is that to anyone? I mean, I heard this, and I was just like, honestly, this guy get, get, makes loads of money. He's super respected. He's got an MD. That is just not good advice to give someone. Um, so it's it's a funny it's a funny moment, but. Um, you know me it's a bit like when you've not really paid attention to someone so you're just completely sitting on the fence because you don't know what they've actually asked you oh that's the worst feeling in the world isn't it that's honestly i mean i i've been guilty of that on this podcast because when you've been <laughs> saying something and i've had to like quickly scramble to get kacl up or scramble to get a word document up and then you know i've completely unfairly you know done the classic oh yeah yeah well keep that caution bulb lit key <laughs> and uh i am dreadfully sorry every time that's ever happens so i don't make a habit of it because it's extremely rude um and i hate it being done to me uh we have got a great line from kelsey here about um about ros uh, it's a great line again it's a bit on the on the edge where he says who you know my producer ros who incidentally has squeezed more fruit than tropicana 
or Tropicana, as he pronounces it. What is this in in relation to again? Does Ross make like a fruit analogy about like divorce men? I think she says that um, it's divorce people you have to watch out for because That's if it. someone's never been married, they're a careful shopper. Mm-hmm. Uh, as your old divorce say, well, bite into any piece of fruit without even giving it a squeeze first. Right, we it. it's very well remembered, Kay. But yes, I the mean, script in front of me right well, now. I'm just very well read. <laughs> regard. Um, it's. I mean, yeah. It's. It's a pretty. It's a pretty cutting analogy for divorcees. Um, if there's any listening here, Kia and I do not subscribe to that, so don't worry. On the subject of Tropicana, Kia, are you a fan of orange juice, apple juice? Talk me through those. Big fan, but it's got to be without the bits in. Oh, bits. you're a sans bits person, are you? <laughs> I I used to be that way, and then I came around because I feel like it's just extra roughage, extra good stuff. But if you had to choose between orange and apple juice, which would you go for? I mean, I, I think it'd have to be orange juice. I mm. mean, I like apple juice, but I like it more as a deviation from my usual orange juice days. I completely agree. Um, But my brother's next-door neighbour has recently been pressing his own apple juice, and I tried some the other day, and I'm not joking. It was like, it was like manna in the desert. It was on the nicest things i've ever sipped and i was like honestly you've got to get me a bottle of this thing um so that's that's ongoing we're going around later maybe i can try and scare up a bottle <laughs> try and get used <laughs> of as well um but yes ross has squeezed more fruit than tropicana a rare moment of gil appearing um after ross trips over i completely forgot he's even in this episode he has quite a few funny moments um particularly later on when ross and bulldog <laughs> are in full flow in their show i think gil has some of the best lines in this episode and there's actually way more people in the corridor at this point than I can remember ever seeing in KACL before. There's about 15 people like variously looking around doorways, gathering in the corridors. This is obviously after Raz has tripped over Bulldog. Yeah, it's like the the Christmas party, isn't it? Sort of vibe where everyone's just sort of milling about. Mm. I think we're so used to being in the corridor and there's one or two people at most. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's nice to have that kind of community feel, I think. Um, And you really get that with with um with KSL yeah, and all these people are milling about you see it's actually a workplace and not just you know a set where they're populating it with a few people in the background we we have the first reference to weird Bruce from engineering here he really looks like someone and I can't think who it is I don't know if he's been in something else I know he kind of looks like someone from Twin Peaks I think maybe I don't know I don't know where I'm getting it from but weird Bruce gives me gives me vibes um not sure where I've seen him before after after Ross's injury has obviously occurred and she can't continue as Fraser's uh, producer. She is resting in in uh, in her apartment. First thing I made a note of is how much these sitcom apartments make me laugh um, because they're always so open plan. Because obviously they have to be for the for the nature of the set design to have all the cameras and the crew milling about in the fourth wall. Like I think of the friends' apartment where all of that stuff to the left of the front door is obviously blanked. Obviously Fraser's, even Roz's apartment. Like it's just. Th- it's funny that they get away with that because we have to suspend disbelief but literally every apartment in every sitcom i can think of they all look like that you never kind of get the multi-camera setup where you see a wall where previously there wasn't a wall kind of thing and it just it struck me i mean that's a that's a very fair point actually i think particularly american sitcoms as well i'm, I'm thinking off the top of my head i think maybe british sitcoms maybe not so much actually um, that's a very good point yeah i think in british sitcoms it's often maybe because they're less in apartments and apartments 
apartments are probably more prolific in America. More people live in apartments and perhaps live in them here. And the nature of that means they need to make them bigger in the sitcoms because they need to accommodate all the space. But yeah, I'm thinking of like Vicar of Dibley or Keeping Up Appearances um, or... Not only Fools and Horses, they have TV, a couple of TVs along the walls. So you do see the walls. Yeah, yeah. So mm. shows like that, um, like the Vicar of Dibley pretty much takes place 75% of the time in her front room, which is obviously quite, quite small. It's a little cottage. Um, so yeah, so it's interesting how they do that. I mean, I love the fact that Bulldog comments on it. It's one of my favorite lines in the episode. It's like this whole, the whole place is a bedroom. Rough. Um, I might edit Doing your bark. Doing it much better than me, mate. <laughs> I might edit your bark in at that point. <laughs> uh, it's just, um, I, I, I like the fatty comments on it because obviously that was all that was going through my head at the time. I was like, yeah, this is just, it's a really weird layout for an apartment. If you had guests over and want to go to bed early, you're like, okay, I'm just going to go sleep on the bed and meet her away. You continue to sit in the little vestibule and ignore me. Um, strange one, isn't it? It is a strange one. Do you agree with Freud's um, mantra that all you need in life to be happy is work and love? Is this, is this a mantra oh. you follow? <laughs> no. It, no. <laughs> talk, me, talk me through why. Okay. Freud is flat out wrong. You need other things <laughs> other than work and love. You need things to entertain you. You need like hobbies and interests. And, mm. and what Roz should have been doing when she sprained her ankle was having like a nice week with her feet up, reading a book or... You're not know, doing fan mail. Not doing fan even if some of them are death threats who don't get photos anymore it's <laughs> a great line yeah i completely agree with you i saw this recently actually i think it was a tweet or something um but i mean i'm not going to get political here don't worry but obviously we, we've been seeing in the current pandemic and economic crisis there's cuts everywhere across the board and loads of people losing their jobs particularly the arts and culture sector is getting hit extremely hard and it doesn't look like much of it is going to be salvageable i, I it, think you really worry for the future of certainly you, theater you really do and like it, it, it just cuts someone said it, this really reminds me and this sounds morbid but it, it's not it's like this really strikes me like when you're at someone's funeral the things that get read out about what they loved in life it's always oh they were a huge fan of this show or they love that film or they love this song or this was their favorite football team it's never oh you know they loved working at that office for you know 40 hours a week or whatever obviously some people may may love that but it's always the arts and cultural things that people you know are remembered by at funerals and that you know the whole robin williams quote from dead poet society about you know science and medicine stuff these are all noble pursuits but you know i was gonna say that is one of my all-time favorite quotes from a film i, I love like, i would nearly swore then i love that quote so much um it's, it's such a good it's an amazing film actually i love dead poets society and me every perfect time of year to watch it it's very autumnal and i'm i'm, be, I'm a sucker for anything set on an ivy league campus or like a, a american private campus weirdly actually i had the chance last year or is it actually beginning of this year uh to teach a whitman um class at, at university to undergrads and obviously Whitman is who Robin Williams is teaching in that moment um, on Dead Poets Society and I was going to show them that clip to begin the show with but um, to begin with the seminar with but there was a unfortunately there was academic strikes and stuff on so I never got the chance to, to give that class but yeah I, I love that quote so much and as you say I love the film so Baldar comes in at this point and he's you know he's trying to curry favour with Roz he's bought like some, some drinks and food or whatever I don't know what the bottle is meant to be is it meant to be like whiskey or vodka or something could you kind of work out what the drink is something else, sure. i mean I, I i really struggle to work out um they're drinking Rod's. small measures of it aren't they but i can't um, but Roz does like down it and then yeah. gives him the glass back so it's maybe a, whiskey or something it's a like weird that. bottle um i don't know but uh, Roz saying chip whatever okay. you can off the edge of the freezer 
it's, um, it's so the KACL script, mm-hmm. it does make sense with what it um, what Bulldog does say later. It's a bottle of wild turkey. What is wild turkey? I feel like I've heard that before. Is that a whiskey? At the end of the episode as well, Bulldog asks um, Roz if she has any wild turkey left. Oh. So I think that is actually accurate. Um, I'm going to check it, it, it now. I've just Googled it. it is, it's a bourbon. Um, so it is a it is a, a whiskey. Um, so yeah, wild turkey. You were spot on. Um, but yeah, so the, the fact that Roz says, you know, chip chip whatever you can off the edge of the freezer for ice is, is so grim. Like that's the, that's almost like the you know the the forbidden ice you don't want you don't ever want that ice in your drink because it's like been sitting there for months you've been collecting crap really horrible but there you go they're drinking wild turkey i would love to know how that ranks in terms of american whiskeys is it like bottom of the barrel and that's the joke that bulldogs really you know cheaped out there we've got the amazing line that we've already spoke of in trivia corner where he says before you you know before you say something that ends up offending me um which i just love um but i generally just really love bulldog in this scene in this episode more generally and it's just we say it all the time we don't have to dwell on it again but the fact that he is dealt a pretty poor hand as the show goes on this is this as a Roz slash bulldog centric episode works so so well i think yeah i think they're the best bits about this episode actually i don't particularly this might be a controversial opinion i don't really like fraser in this episode i don't either um and we'll probably get to that but yeah I completely agree there. Yeah, and for me, I'd have really liked to have just spent more time with the Roz Bulldog dynamic, seen them. Because I, I really, really love, well, I mean, we're jumping ahead a little bit, but when they're in the booth together and that interplay between them, I, I really like that. I think that's the real strength of the episode. It is really good, isn't it? Um, I, I just wonder if there was a capacity was there for her from the beginning to be both both producers and we could have seen, I don't know, like if she could have been the producer for both shows and maybe Bulldog's show was a bit more of a segment. Um, like every few episodes we get to see Roz and Bulldog in action. I don't know, just the, their interplay between each other is so great and it's always confined to the KACL booth. So rarely do they interact outside of that. So um I, I can Completely agree. I think that um, as well, and she has a much more hands-on role in his show than she does in Fraser's show. Yeah, she does. She's like getting in on the action. She's kind of like the the B commentator to his A commentator. Um, whereas she's very placid and subservient to Fraser. You know, it's like, oh, we've got such and such on line one. But obviously, that's at the beginning of the show. She does come into her own, like at the beginning of this episode, with the fruit analogy. But no, I completely agree. She's more of like she's part of it, isn't she, in Bulldog show? Whereas with Fraser, she's kind of just expected. To, to filter the lines and stuff like that. So uh, at Fraser's apartment after this scene, another, <laughs> I couldn't help but laugh, another rare moment of Daphne doing her actual training again. Um, clearly just thrown in for good measure so that viewers don't forget that she is a, a trained medical professional or a trained healthcare professional. Um, I, I wonder, like, is, do you think this was an afterthought or when they were writing the plot of this episode, they thought, oh, there'll be a great opportunity to get Daphne giving a massage here. Like, it just, it just strikes me as it's only there to just kind of remind us about why she exists exists in the show at all yeah again it, it doesn't go like i said i think last week with some of daphne's lines it doesn't go anywhere at all it just says you don't you don't get paid enough and she goes oh i'm not even i need a raise to get to not enough and that's it and then it, it it's, on and it's, it's just, really odd isn't it um she, i don't know if it's just a little bit of filler or if you, you are just you know just to remind you of her character and her background but for me it doesn't really do anything to be honest yeah and like jen she generally kind of resents her employment in the early seasons um she gets on with them all but obviously fraser is is kind of the you know the overbearing and trouble you know uh very needy high maintenance boss 
And, you know, these comments to Roz and stuff, she, they're, they're quite barbed. She clearly isn't super happy there. But, I mean, she's obviously getting, she's obviously earning enough money to get by in Seattle, which perhaps not so much in the 90s as it is now, which it's a very expensive place to live now. It would still be, it's a metropolitan area, high cost of living. She lives in, like, an amazing apartment, um, presumably not free of charge, but obviously, you know, I can't imagine Frasier charges her loads of rent. She's a living healthcare worker. I mean, maybe that's part of the subsidy in her wage. I- um, assume she like gets rent and board as part of her salary yeah that would make sense so, in which know, case if you think about the apartment and you think the the kind of food she'd be eating every night for dinner like mm. she's not she's having to cheap out on cheap meals she's, she's getting the best of everything she really um, is there's like shit, you know, high quality sherry available anytime she wants it yeah it's um it's not a bad job to be honest i'd take it it's not it's not for just for like you know massage martin's ass for like you know 10 minutes a day <laughs> niles comes in at this point do i hear cathedral bells he's uh, he's got the amazing analogy about the guy in Italy who the cobbler who makes the shoes and Niles interesting loves tassels here the shoes have tassels on or the ones that he's bought for Martin have tassels on but in my copy of Niles as we've discussed um, only like you know 12 episodes ago he doesn't like tassels at all he's like looking down at his Bruno Marley's and he says you know I've never been a fan of tassels nevertheless there they are so in a very short amount of time he's grown to love tassels what do you make of that? Yeah, really, it's real um, character growth for him, isn't it? <laughs> it really <laughs> is. 15 episodes or so, he's, um, he's really grown as a person. And he loves his tassels, so fair play. Artisan, yeah, I've got the I've got the bullet point. Artisan, toiling in a hilltop village above Florence. I've already asked you how many pairs of shoes you own, Keeper. Do you have a particular pair that you love more than the others, that, that are your equivalent of the Cathedral Bell shoes? I like my nice shoes. Um, yeah, my nice shoes that I wear, mm-hmm. which are not, you know, like work shoes or just casual. Um, and for that reason, I don't wear them very often because I don't want to... <laughs> like to keep them for the special occasions you wear them to like you know if you had a christening or a wedding to go to um in lockdown i don't get many opportunities to wear them so they just sit in my cupboard looking (laughs) at me <laughs> I I completely get that. I um in fact my, my pair I really enjoy. Um it's completely the opposite end of your nice stress shoes. It's actually a pair of Timberlands I got over lockdown and they were on eBay and I got them for like a third, no, basically 66% cheaper than you would buy brand new and obviously <laughs> they're pretty expensive normally and they were brand new. They, they were obviously they were off off eBay, but they they hadn't been worn and they're completely legitimate. They're not fake, and I just couldn't believe my luck. I was like, what? The, I missed out the previous day on a on a on a used pair that were quite battered, and I ended up getting these for like the same price, and they were brand new. I just honestly amazing. So they are my cathedral bell shoes. Would love to hear from listeners about their cathedral bell shoes. Daphne here with a very pointed, oblivious comment. I have made a note of. I have not written down what the pointed or oblivious comment is. Oh, um, it's about Niles, isn't it? It's where she says uh, Doctor Crane comes over all the time with gifts, and he's not after anything or something words to that effect it's it that line's kind of pushing pushing it for me in that they really have to suspend our disbelief that daphne has no idea what's going on and it's just like in moments like that you're like come on i mean no one's that stupid i mean i'm not a fan of this scene to be honest with you i mean i think for me uh, yeah i don't buy it's too pointed that daphne would bring that up as a comparison Mm -hmm. you might say oh she's oblivious but she's actually bringing up going oh well he always brings me gifts and he doesn't want anything so it for me it doesn't work i just i think it is winking at it too much for me it's too obvious and um yeah great and i really just don't like fraser in this scene because just the way he assumes that dog will only want roz 
because he wants to sleep with her and just completely disregards her as a producer. Mm. Um, I, just, I just find it a bit strange that the whole point of the episode is meant to be that he's he's coming, you know, he starts to appreciate how good Roz is and, and all that sort of thing. But I just I find it that he, I, I, I don't know, he's not a big fan of Fraser in this episode and this scene in particular. Just the way he sort of is dismissive of Roz and what she can do. Mm. I mean, my bullet point, next bullet point, is literally just Fraser's being an arse here. Um, I completely agree with you. I think he's just, he's pushing it too much. I mean, I hate the fact that the episode, I mean, I don't want to jump to the ending, but we're kind of linked here. I hate the fact he's kind of proven right in this episode in a manner that, I don't think he fully is, but the episode makes it that he is, and we'll, we'll get to that. Um, but yeah, I think he is an arse here. Um, I, I, it really annoys me that he's just completely undervaluing all of Roz's skills. And people would argue that he's doing it because of Bulldog's reputation, but then he's not giving any respect to Roz as a professional as well. Um, and as we see in their show together, Roz and Bulldog, they're both really good together. So we have Niles' line to play Aeneas to your Dido, um, which is quite a funny line, little mythological, not mythological, like really old historical thing, um, you know, Trojan War era. But then, you know, Daphne, I'm sorry you had to hear that. It's kind of funny, kind of a bit stupid and goofy. Um, it's not the it's not the smartest line in the world, but I quite like it. But for the, I mean, really, the scene comes to a close with Raz trying to leave. Um, what do you make of Roz trying to leave the apartment on her crutches? Actually, it's one of those things, it starts out funny, it starts to become not funny, and then becomes funny again the longer it goes on. <laughs> yeah, um, I've got, I remember there's a name for that. I can't remember. I saw that recently with something. I think it was like a really extended Simpsons quote, but it's, yeah, there's, there's a name for that kind of comedy that does exactly that that undulating arc you've just described. Um, but yeah, you, you like this overall. It, it, for me, this is sort of the one shining moment from this scene. Is mm -hmm. this is, is Roz's little bit at the end? Because I think I say Frasier for me is incredibly arrogant in this scene. Like the way he talks about being an expert in human behavior, and later on in the episode he says that he he's got a degree from Harvard, so that if if he's not right, the world doesn't make sense and things yeah, like that. Yeah, I've made a note of that. And he just for me he comes across he's like I think he's quite sexist in this episode and mm. and I know they make a joke of it later when he's quite he's, he's he accuses Niles of being sexist but then dismisses Daphne himself so I understand that they are, they are pointing that out he just he's not like for me I don't like him in this episode but Roz's Roz's line is I love the way she just says sayonara at the end I <laughs> know oh, that's such a like. It's, That's not used much, is it? That term, sayonara. You've seen the last of me. Um, no, I, I, yeah. I, 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 sorry, you carry on. So no, for me, it is Rosie's little bit here is a shining moment in this scene. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, I think it's I, I've, I've got it's both funny and cringy as hell, which I think really is is the point. <laughs> More quotes from from Frasier, like ultra demanding producer tasks. A cockatoo of a strong beak could do what you do. I mean, does this not just make you think of The Simpsons when Homer's yes. like king size Homer with a little bird? <laughs> oh God, what's up with that? <laughs> the computer's starting. Um, that's all I think of, and I think they're quite a. Uh, it's a bit like the. You know, like the cats you get in like the Chinese gift shops with like the waving hand. I feel like the cockatoo that does that is quite a ubiquitous little gift shop item in America. You don't really see them over here, but I feel like you could get them pretty much anywhere in, in the US. Um, be interested to know if anyone listening owns one of those. Just, just a quick... it's a very 90s thing. I imagine that that is some. I imagine 
you wouldn't get too many of them these days. I just yeah, know why? Just it seems like a nineties product. I, I feel like gimmicky things like that were very big in the nineties. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, and plus the fact everything's just digital these days, there genuinely is less of an appetite for stuff like that, like kitschy little gifts. Um, obviously, the people that are into them are like trying to hang on to that kind of thing. Like people who still collect physical media. You know, I, I have vinyl records and a record player in an era in an era of like you know. I also have Spotify Premium. I can listen to anything at any time. So it's a bit like you know people. Still or buy them because they want to but yeah i mean it, on the surface it's a stupid little thing that just sits on your desk but i think it speaks to a far more kind of wider thing that's happening in like you know gifts and toy industries and stuff like that um, i actually think the more digital we become we're going to see more and more people trying to cling back to the it's always the same, isn't it? That nostalgia and stuff. It's a powerful yeah. drug. Um, so back in KSCL at this point, Frasier is speaking to Francesca. I made a note that her accent was extremely annoying to me. Um, and it, it, <laughs> I really recognized it. And I was like, I think I know who this is. And I, it was who I thought it was. Do you know who this is, Key? I didn't, I didn't make a note. I didn't, it didn't jump out to me. I don't, I don't think it's I did. It's Rosie Perez, um, or Perez. I'm not sure how you say it. I'm not sure. I, I, she's a, just a famous you know, actor in, in the US TV and film. I'm not quite sure what she's been in, but she's pretty big. But I also think she appears in a later episode in person as a different character. Um, I can't remember when, but I think it's quite late on. We're talking seasons like 8, 9, 10 or 11. Um, but also, Key, someone really famous was, um, I think, the, the woman on the payphone, Marie. Uh, and I've, I've, I don't know if you clocked who this was. It's not someone whose voice you'd recognize, but I'd be curious to see if you did read up on who voiced her. You did not. <laughs> it's Carly Simon. Do you know uh, what Carly Simon is famous for? I'm putting oh, you on the spot a lot here. And I'm not doing very well. Basically, um, she's, a, she's a singer, very famous singer, but she did what I would argue is the best Bond theme tune of all time, which would be Nobody Does It Better uh, from The Spy Who Loved Me. So there you go. Um, have you um, seen The Spy Who Loved Me? Are you a Bond fan, actually, Keith? We talked about Bond before. <laughs> I was just waiting for this to come up. I mean, I don't. Um, we're not going to go on a tangent here because I could speak about Bond till the cows come home. So don't worry. But never are you seen a Bond? James Bond film? You've never seen a James Bond <laughs> film? No, I might have seen like five or ten minutes at Christmas before I fall asleep. But I'm not joking. Watched. That might be the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I would rather have just been told terrible news by I don't know who. That is that's shocking. We've got to reconcile that. I'm one don't of the biggest. It, like. Isn't every film just the same? No, no, there's so, <laughs> so Okay, we can't do this now. We can't do this now. There's people listening that don't like Bond. We will do a bonus episode on Bond or something. <laughs> All the people that have donated £10 or more on the coffee uh, streaming tip jar thing, and you can choose anything you want to review. Bear in mind, Key has never seen a Bond film. If you'd like us to review a Bond film, um, I haven't seen all the Star Wars either. So. That's less. That's less bothersome to me. I, I mean, Star Wars, I'd very much take it or leave it. Um, how about Lord of the Rings? I've seen Lord of the Rings, yeah. Oh, okay, thank God. Lord of the Rings for me. Just the, the original. Seen the last three. two years. Um, yeah, they're amazing. Um, so yeah, it's Carly Simon, Rosie Perez. Um, really annoying voice. There's a reference to the Smithsonian at this point. I can't remember when. Fraser says it. Um, I, well, not, again, I've not made a note of the uh, the quote here, but it's ironic because I'm I'm currently applying, as I did last year, but was unsuccessful, for a fellowship to go and study at the Smithsonian for a year. Um, and I'm currently in the midst of doing an application for that, so kind of weird to hear it in this episode after I'd spent the whole day on the Smithsonian's website 
trawling its uh, its archives, but there you are. So Gil is, is hosting a dinner party okay, um, at this point. And I think that's ironic because I just last night, as you probably saw from Twitter, finished Gilmore Girls. And Edward Hibbert, who obviously plays Gil, has a cameo on Gilmore Girls for one episode where he is a party planner. Um, so there you go. What would you think a Gil dinner party would look like? And would you want to attend one? I think it would be very formal, like mm. a proper sit-down meal. Amuse-bouches and all yeah. that. Several, several courses. Several courses. Um, you're probably having to whack out your best, best tucks or something like that. In order You'd to have to dust off your good shoes. I know that much. <laughs> sure, I would. Yeah. I'd have to make an appearance. I mean, I'd love to go to one of Gil's dinner parties, but I also think deep down they'd be insufferable, full of terrible people, and you'd want to get out as quick as it started. But yeah, I mean... I, I think you'd be there just to experience and watch the other people more so than enjoying yourself. Yeah, I think so. Watching Gil try and play the host... Um, with uh, with Deb, you know, I think that would be hilarious. Th- th- at this point, Gil's one of Gil's lines is, I mean, I know last last week I, I dropped the bombshell that Danny Kreisel delivers my favourite line of the whole show. This is up there, and I don't feel like I've said this too many times. It's kind of going to lose its luster if I keep saying, oh, this quote is up there. But I love this one, and it's a line that I think can be used for so many different contexts when he says, I to entertain hopes for Lou comedy. <laughs> when, when Bulldog bends down to help Ross, the way he says that, and it's just it, it's just pitch perfect. It's It's overwritten. It's kind of archaic sounding. He sounds like something from a Victorian novel. It's just, yeah, it's just amazing. And I just and Gil's little like smirk and stuff, you know, his phony British accent. I just think Gil kind of steals the scene here, and he's barely in it at all. I think he does. I think it's of the line about low comedy. It is a, such a funny line. And um, there's another amazing line after that. I don't know if you've made a note of it, where he says they really are quite delicious together. <laughs> what just... a weird way to describe two people. It's a bit like when Frasier calls Elaine a delightful creature. I mean, <laughs> what what's going on there? They really are quite delicious together. Is that meant to be like a nod to the fact he's like food mad? Gilly's basically so horny funny. for food, isn't he? <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah, he's um. But he's so it fits his personality. It works, and and I think his personality is such that because he's got such a vibrant character, he is such a vibrant character. He really is. He does tend to steal a lot of scenes when he he is in it. Yeah, he mm. does. He does. That's why we kind of bemoan the fact he's not in more. Um, there is no Gill centric episodes, bar perhaps particularly controversial episode which which episode is that can is it not the one with the dream oh what how come you thought that was controversial i'm intrigued i, I know a few people who really don't like that episode really yeah, yeah not wow. fun at all yeah i know a few how, people how come how come Did, have they ever given you a reason the, the episode we're oh. referring to for listeners is the impossible dream from i believe season five um but yeah carry on okay no i will um ask them for a a review for us ahead of when we record that episode but wow. i know a couple of people who aren't keen on it at all wow i'm not going to give anything away about how i feel about it i'm just interested that people have found it controversial which is interesting um but yeah uh, other than that episode that was the one i was thinking of uh, and possibly fraser crane's day off as well because he's kind of the antagonist in that episode because he's going to steal fraser's slot um yeah other than the impossible dream gil really doesn't have his own episode so I just think he deserves one. Baldur gets one, you know, why not kill? He's probably people's favourite KCR member. Though I have seen a few people on Fraser Fan Club say they don't like him, and I always, I'm like, <gasps> I'm like what? Like, how can you say that? But there you go. Um, 
this montage now that happens, I think Corey's made a very similar note on Listener Mail, so preempting that instead of trying to accidentally rip him off. This montage with kind of music and stuff is very unique to Frasier. Not a very common technique, and I'm fairly certain it's... Uh, yeah, I don't think this is ever done on Frasier again. Um, this kind of weird montage of music and stuff. It just It was kind of, yeah, stylistically, it's a little bit like that final camera shot at the end of here's looking at you. Um, just a little bit strange. What did you make of this? I mean, I didn't appreciate this might be the only time. Um, mm. I, I don't necessarily pick up on things like that, but um, it is... I, Kind of works well. You need to do, isn't it? When you want to show a lot of things happening in a very short period of time, it's uh, go for a montage. Sometimes <laughs> you've got to fall back on it, haven't you? Um, I mean, the guy who's like despairing, that's exactly how I imagine the Ben Stiller caller looked in real life. Um, it would have been. That's, that's, I'd, I'd have wanted Ben Stiller. Honestly, it's been so good to have him on as like a cameo. And yet, weirdly, this is going to sound so strange. This is just how the human brain works. Um, there's nothing to go on here bar my own weird mind. But whenever I see a montage like this, all I think of is Toy Story when um, it's when Woody has that montage when he's kind of getting forgotten about because Buzz is like is more important now. And it's like it's Strange Times, no, Strange Things by Randy Newman from the soundtrack is playing in the background great sock and it's just yeah it's it's kind of it's it's andy playing with buzz in the in the room and woody getting left behind and it's uh yeah whenever i see a musical montage like this that's all i think of no reasons or explanations for that so we'll just move on um i think montage i think rocky mm, that would be a much more normal thing we've, to got think to, about. we've got to do a lot of improvement we don't have much time rocky yeah, montage exactly that that is a way more sense making um example than than toy story so thank you for that niles meets the goat boy is the title screen title credit uh title card rather for the uh for the next scene and we we, we hear about yoshi's uh topiary mishaps um which is only a phrase you could use to describe something happening in frasier um no other sitcom would get away with topiary mishaps kind of ironic actually considering yoshi dies later in in the show by getting trapped in the head maze um so ironically a man who is so adept at shaping hedges is ultimately killed by them i mean <laughs> <laughs> any comments on that <laughs> honestly i really wish you'd have done his eulogy at his funeral. <laughs> it's quite ironic really because the one thing yoshi really loved was um <laughs> shaping a hedge maze <laughs> and it ended up killing him we should have like a bonus episode where we do eulogies for the characters no longer with us um <laughs> That would be hilarious. But there you go. Um, Niles describes himself at this point and Maris as animal lovers. I've just put three question marks next to this, Kay. How do you process this quote? Animal lovers, but she doesn't trust anything that loves her unconditionally. <laughs> Such a good lie. But I mean, what the hell? Niles is an animal lover. Is that honestly how a trait you would describe him with? No, not really. I mean, he does have the bird, doesn't he, that is on his head. Is it a he cockatoo? Ba baby, the cockatoo. Yeah, than baby. I'm. Just, I mean, we know Maris can't straddle anything larger than a border collie. <laughs> um, we do so, know that. Um, I, yeah, just, they're probably, I don't know. I just. He's not warm towards Eddie, is he? So he's not warm. Yeah, generally. Um, <laughs> I, I think. I think to, to call himself an animal lover is is way off. Um, it's it's a really strange choice of. I, I don't know. I don't know what the joke is here. Um, Maybe it's just the I, I fact that he was calling himself that, so he then had a side of, in the fight with Yoshi. I don't know. I mean, I think maybe it's one of those things where Niles looks at a dog and he's like, yeah, that dog really loved me. I, I love dogs, you know. I'm not going to speak to them or go near them, but, you know, 
we, we see each other from across the room and that's enough. <laughs> yeah, I think, like, like, I mean, like that episode where Lilith um, forgives him for the wedding comments about the vows and he's like immediately grateful. I think it's the same with animals. He needs that instant gratification. And then once he's got that, that's it. He doesn't really care. So, you know, it's an interesting line. I just, I don't see Nars as an animal lover, but, you know, that is how he describes himself here. It's been a very long time since we've done a coffee count, Key, but we're in Navosa at this point. I accounted four coffees at this point i think Nars, frazier daphne and martin all have a coffee in front of them and are variously seen sipping them at some point so that brings the total if i'm not mistaken up to a nice round 40 been a very long time since we've been in a vote so i feel like it's been about five episodes um possibly even longer than that so yeah i wonder if people have noticed that while they've been watching um kind of kind of strange an amazing line to throw back to the tassels here um when Martin's like, oh, I'm going to keep your shoes for special occasions, but only tassels will do. That's <laughs> just so incredible. I mean, can you think of an occasion where tassels would do, Key? Maybe Gil's dinner party? Possibly. I thought that's the only one I'm thinking of. <laughs> I, wouldn't, um... I, I mean, I don't think I'd ever buy a pair of shoes with tassels on them. I don't think I've got the, uh, the gumption to, to pull off tassels, but... Uh... I, I don't think I've quite got the panache about me. No, um, the panache about me. <laughs> Excellently phrased. One, one thing I have just noticed, uh, just reading the KACL script, I know you said that you thought Bruce might have reappeared in a, a later episode of Frasier. Mm -hmm. I don't think... Well, I'm, I'm not sure if Bruce does. However, Ed, the guy who falls asleep um, in the show, one of Frasier's replacement producers, mm -hmm. KACL says that he reappears in a season seven episode, briefly. Mm -hmm. Wow. In, I wonder in what context he comes back into the cafe, doesn't he, at this point? He's like, next time, wake me when the show's over. I'm yeah, crazy. completely un unapologetic about falling asleep. <laughs> such, such an amazing delivery, actually. It's a really good cameo. Um, but yeah, great No, I'll be interested to see when that is. I'm trying to think. Um, I can't. Nothing it's, strikes um, me immediately. Though. Everyone's a critic. Oh. Maybe he's like Poppy's producer then, when, when she has her own show. Um because obviously that episode is when Poppy gets her own arts and culture review show on KSCL, um, when Fraser thinks he's going to get it. So yeah, maybe he maybe he's the producer there, or maybe he's got a completely different role. Well, uh, well, we'll know in about four years' time, three years' time. Um, <laughs> we have the line that you've already mentioned here from Fraser. I have a degree from Harvard. Every time I'm wrong, the world makes a little less sense. So elitist, though. It's a fantastic delivery, I think. Yes, and and well, my criticisms of Fraser in the show, nothing with Kelsey. Kelsey's delivery is great. It, you know, great performance. It's not the direction I'd have picked for the character, and and I can understand why they've gone in that way because I think like the next line that Fraser has is when he, you know, he says, "Niles, don't you think you're being a bit sexist?" The days when women were shunted aside to bat their eyelashes prettily and say nothing, and then he immediately dismisses Daphne. So. The whole yeah. of the episode is that you're meant to, I think, call Fraser out on it. I think and so. He's he's kind of out of line at multiple points in this episode. Um, it does go on a bit long for me. Yeah, I mean, twenty I, minutes of calling him out is a bit. bit I, can, I completely agree. Um, yeah, and we'll obviously get to the very end in a minute when um, that kind of comes to a head. But um, when we we now cut to Ross's apartment and Bulldog and her are kind of you know deep at work. Um, though it will soon become apparent that Bulldog wants to be deep into a different kind of work. Um, he makes a reference to Wayne Gretzky. Um, well, Roz does, that she's secured an interview with him. Um, I can't remember what he calls him now, the, the, the Great One. I think that's his nickname, The Great One. Um, Wayne Gretzky. I was say, Sorry, just before, just before he, um, he speaks about Wayne Gretzky, 
Mm-hmm. We do say the reason that he is Wayne Gretzky is the reason they can't do boner of the week. Do you want to explain the meaning of the word boner in England? I or do. Are you not gonna... But well, as I was, as I was, basically, a boner is an erection in the UK. But they've got this in the US because in the film Superbad, which is one of my favourite comedies, um, McLovin is uh, about to have sex with a girl near the end, and he says really child, like childish, like I have a boner, which is like on top of him. Um, and like people use that clip now for like you know on football Twitter when a transfer's announced, there'll just be a clip of McLovin going, I have a boner, <laughs> like it's you know so. They have that phrase over there. So, what on earth does "boner of the week" mean in Bulldogs context? Do you know? Um, I there is a Simpsons episode where I think um, Dinner says to Bart, "Now I've pulled a few boners in my time," and it's when he's telling Bart off for doing a prank. Oh, I I think in but I do I think in the context of Bulldog is saying it, it means a mistake. Yeah, so probably like mm. someone dropped a ball in the NFL or someone you know yeah struck out really early in baseball or something um i think i think bulldog is using it in that context that makes sense to me um but yeah it's it's a funny one because that's a, a term that i feel like has mutual we both use it for the same things but there we are boner of the week um would be a very different segment on this show if we did boner <laughs> of the week can you tell me about your boner of the week <laughs> don't worry listen, i won't be doing that so the wayne gretzky co uh the wayne gretzky sorry section it reminds me of a very famous and hilarious quote from the office which is when in season five of the office and spoilers for those who haven't seen the u.s office michael scott which is steve corral's character he starts his own paper company in the basement of the uh of the what's it called of dunder mifflin where the main office is and he has on a whiteboard a quote from wayne gretzky which is you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take but he's then quote marked the quote and then put michael scott underneath it as if it's like he's quoting the quote of wayne gretzky and it's kind of just really famous it's kind of in it's very emblematic of what an idiot michael scott is but yeah that wayne gretzky i think for a lot of people i mean you don't watch hockey his association now is that office quote because it's kind of like world famous now it's so good um but that's what it reminds me of um so we kind of sung praises of Bulldog in this episode, but I want to want to beat the drum a little bit harder in this kind of closing minutes because his face at this point now, when when Ross is massaging him, I think Dan Butler's physical comedy is like it rivals David Hyde Pierce here. The way she's like, "Oh, I owe you Bulldog, I owe you big," and his face just suddenly changes like just switches like that. Um, and then the way he gets the candles out, the petals, the way he's throwing them, the way he throws the, the cologne up in the air the and white catches feather. it. The what, sorry? The feather as well. The white feather, which he tucks into his underwear, like Peter Pan or something. He looks so bizarre. And then what is he doing with the blowtorch? Is he meant to be lighting the petals on fire to kind of give a bit of fragrance? Is that what he's doing? I'm sure. I mean, I, at one stage, I thought he was going to set fire to the bed. Um, I think the idea is he's meant to be like singeing the petals because they'll give off a fragrance. But he's it's he's doing it so deliberately away from them because obviously it's a massive fire hazard that it just doesn't make any sense to me. But this whole this whole bit, I think, from in my eyes, this rivals David Hyde Pierce's segment in Three Valentines. I think this is one of the best montages of physical comedy in the whole in the whole show. I think Bulldog's amazing in this bit. It's a testament to um, to Dan Butler, and it, it makes you just—it just makes me sad that he's not in it more. And, sure. and what you could have done with him, and what you could have done with the dynamic between him and Roz, had they had more of a you know Roz acting in that producer role and and that 
chemistry between them in his show. Yeah, for sure. I I would love to have seen that more. Um, I just Bulldog. So he's just he's just uh, the physical comedy is amazing. His little one liners are great. His face expressions are great. Just Dan Butler really sings in this episode. I think it's, it's such a crying shame we don't get to see more of him. Um, I mean, I've said this I've said this already, but Frasier showing up at the end. We don't want him to be right in this episode, and it annoys me. And this, I was thinking about this kind of after I watched the episode, actually, and kind of thinking back about it a bit more. Um, I think Bulldog's intentions are not what Frasier thought they were to begin with. I think Bulldog genuinely thinks Roz is a good producer and genuinely wants to work with her because the evidence is the proof in the pudding at how good their show is. I only think Bulldog's changes in that moment when Roz is massaging him and says those words, which Bulldog is wrong to assume, and he becomes classic Bulldog there. But given the intimacy of the scenario, I think his intentions all along were good until that moment. Saying that, the fact he's got all that stuff in his bag, maybe it completely underwrites my whole argument there. However, you could also argue Bulldog keeps that stuff in his bag all the time because that's the kind of creep he is. So I don't know. I think Frey showing up and he's like, oh, yeah, I, I was right all along, blah, 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 blah. Ra's cringing and stuff. I think I think Bulldog, he does ultimately become, you know, he does what we expect him to do. But I think initially Frasier is wrong and Bulldog genuinely wants to, to have Ra's as his producer. But maybe that's a controversial take. I don't know. I completely agree with you. I think that um, I think that Ro- I think Bulldog thinks that Roz is coming onto him when she starts sort of massaging his shoulders, mm-hmm. and that's when you see the change. He thinks, "Okay, I'm in here. I'm gonna, I'm going for it." Yeah. And I think that he just carries all his, his equipment around with him because he's a creep. Um, yeah. <laughs> but he's, he's not. He's not. I, I, I do think that he rates Roz as a producer. Yeah. And, and I, I, I actually think we see in this episode. I think Bulldog actually probably greater degree of respect for Roz's role than Frasier does. I don't think he Massively sees himself so, yeah. above the producer, the talent, in the way that Frasier probably sees himself as the talent behind the Frasier Crane show. Yeah, I think Bulldog sees himself as like, you're only as good as your producer on a show like KSCL. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, my final bullet point is simply that in the credits, there is a Bill Carroll, and I've only noticed this. Someone has already pointed this out to me, and it, he's in the credits for every episode. But we've ne- we've not spoke about it until this point, so I thought we should mention it. But yeah, there is a Bill Carroll, and it's Carroll spelled exactly like my surname. Kind of kind of spooky that we're now doing a podcast. So, Bill, if you're listening, get in touch. Um, but a nice little uh, <laughs> nice little coincidence there. Um, I've got to ask you, Key, is this in your top ten? It's fair to say that this is not in my top ten. <laughs> it's not in mine either. But I did really enjoy this episode. Um, everyone's involved in a way, in, in, in some respects. You know, the, the, in Navosa, everyone's there. Um, at the apartment, everyone's there. So, and the fact that Bulldog squeezed in as well, you know, he's part of the main plot line. I think it's quite a nice um, ensemble episode. Who's your best actor pick? Okay, so a bit of a strange one in that I didn't particularly like any of the, as you could say, the, the main four that we've probably been discussing mm-hmm. week in, week out, um, if you include Daphne in that. Yeah. Um, for me, it's, it's a very, obviously, it's very, very Roz centric as an episode. We get to see a lot of Perry. Best bit of the episode for me, I really do like her very slow walk away when she's just sayonara sayonara <laughs> really do like that um I, I like that we get to see it um more of rod and i do like that we get to see a bit more of a spiky sort of feisty version of Roz, particularly when she's working on bulldog show and the way she bounces off him and things like that so i'm gonna say i'm gonna say perry gilpin for this week oh really good choice um i was very close to picking her 
Um, however, I have gone with Bulldog, and I think this might be is this our, my first ever point to Bulldog? Um, I have a feeling Indeed, it might be. Yeah. Um, purely because I think the physical comedy at the end is amazing. I just think he's got some great lines, you know, like, before you say something that offends me. But yeah, Roz, this is Roz's episode. I, I kind of should be giving it to Roz because I love her in this. But Bulldog's just got those moments where he's just, yeah, he's just so great. So I'm going to have to give it to Bulldog. Plus, it's nice that we've picked a different one this week. It's a nice bit of a departure there. Uh, Kennedy Burling, I've got to ask you, a man on the ground, what would he make of this episode? The, uh, Kennedy Burling keeps his own little feather wherever he goes, just wow. in case. What are, what are his intentions with that feather, can you tell us? Um, not before 9pm, no. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you very much. That's all we need to know about Kennedy's way before it gets very blue. Um, no further explanation. I was hoping for low comedy. <laughs> <laughs> I too entertain hopes for low comedy. Uh, the title, Ros in the Doghouse, anything other than the the, you know, the obvious bulldog reference here and being in the doghouse means you know you're in trouble. Is there a is there a film something in the doghouse? Got anything here? I think I mean for me obviously my instinct immediately was um, bulldogs show. Yeah, um, you're in the doghouse kind of thing. There is a 1962 film called In the Doghouse. I've just found the Wikipedia page for that um, about okay. vets, so not quite the same. Maybe. But yeah, there's definitely there's a precedent there, isn't there? I feel that like we may be stretching it slightly. I don't think it doesn't look like British comedy from the 1962. And I don't know, but I feel like writers like Joe Keenan and stuff they were all over those British classic comedies. So I, you know, it's really not a not a giant leap to think that some of these things found their way into titles and stuff. But interesting to think about nonetheless. Okay, Key, so all that's left now is Whose Crane Is It Anyway? Before we jump over to Listener Mail. Um, your quote for Whose Crane Is It Anyway? this week is, No, please, it's okay. Who says, No, please, it's okay? God. I really struggled this week to find a good one that you weren't going to get immediately. You've succeeded. Um, <laughs> what I thought is that I have no idea. Instinct is that because so much of this is between and Bulldog, that it's one of them speaking to the other. Mm. That's well, what maybe I want you to think. I'm, jo- I'm joking. I'm joking. You go with what um, you can say. You know, one of them said, yeah, the only context in which I think it could arise, and it's just a guess- question of guessing, is it Bulldog or is it Ross who says it? Mm. I'm going to say, because imagine Bulldog says speaks in that way very often, like, no, please, it's okay. I'd say Ross. You are correct. Well played, you are correct. It's when uh, he picks up the nail polish and he's going to uh, do her feet. And she's like, no, please, it's okay. It's like, hey, it's a nice color. Goes with the bruise. Oh, you want me to finish him for you? Oh, no, please, it's okay. Hey, it's a nice colour. Goes with the bruise. Nope. There you go. Well, a nice speak, because he could fit. All, was it all of it in his mouth? I can think this whole thing in my mouth easy. <laughs> so, so horrible. Um, but there you go. Uh, that, all that leaves, Keys. Listener mail, should we jump over? Yes, let's. Excellent. Raz, who's our next caller? Listener mail this week. Um, the first comment on the Reddit is from Attempted High Five. Your chat near the start made me think of a meme which says, when it's for heaters for tea. And there were many, many comments from confused Americans. <laughs> I don't know what that means referring. I don't, know to. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't. I mean, the meal chat is this about the meatloaf we talked about? I think, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know what that meme is. So they'll have to Google when it's fajitas. Yeah, when it's fajitas for tea. Um, I don't know why that confused Americans. They not have fajitas over there, or they call them something else. Um, I the same love of fajitas. There's maybe other people. Um, I'm a big fan of fajitas. Are you okay? Uh, yeah, okay. Oh, 
no, no, you're not. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. Um, I've got a meme here. Uh, please let us know if this is the right meme. I've got a meme of a dog looking very, very happy and excited. And it says when it's fajitas for tea. I mean, it's it's a little on the nose, but it's accurate. That is what I'm like when I've uh, when I've got fajitas for tea. So there you go. Um, Reclia put, in regards to which disc I take to a desert island, that's a tough one. Do I go with one focused on comedy or one with comedy and moving moments? If it's the former, I take disc four season one, only because it has more episodes of top-notch comedy. If I chose the latter, it would be disc four season seven for the excellent conclusion to the Nars and Daphne story. I couldn't find that video I mentioned, but from what I remember, it was shown at an event called Tomb Raider Suite, where they played music from the first three games. That's obviously in reference to the the orchestra Tomb Raider, lock the butler in the freezer comment from a previous week. Roz in the Doghouse, not much to say about this one. It was a great episode and had a healthy balance of the rest of the main cast, even if the focus was on Roz. So yeah, definitely agree about that last comment, actually. It's it's a nice ensemble episode. So the next comment we have, um, I'm going to struggle to pronounce this. Uh, it's it... like phenylalanine or something. Um, or, I, mean, yeah. I was going with phenylalanine music. Yeah. Phenylalanine I, I, music. I feel, I feel like the phenyl is a thing and then it's alanine. I'm not sure, though. Alanine music. We're going to go with alanine that. Music. <laughs> just points out, I remember ads for, I believe it was an electronics store that just said the silos are coming that's really ominous um <laughs> that is in reference to the advert on the newspaper that niall's question was in reference to um a couple of a couple of episodes ago that and, and what's said, brilliant yeah sorry carry um, on. is they point out that this ad was before the internet so you couldn't google to find out what it was about <laughs> there you go um really sinister really sinister sydney aspasket what a great episode hilarious tangents by you guys i love hearing the stories of your friendship and youth i had a small green rabbit toy i took to bed as a child bertie the bunny i still have it it's 36 years old now he lives in a box tidied away and he's threadbare in places am i the only person to notice the easter egg at the end of this episode mrs robinson by simon and garfunkel plays for three seconds right at the end of the recording very cool if unintentional i didn't notice i was still listening to silence at the end thought the recording had stopped in spotify and there it was brilliant as for favorite dvd disc lineup of episodes mine has to be disc three of season six with the show where woody shows up three valentines to tell the truth decoys dinner party and tapped the montana that's quite a lineup disc three of season five is a good contender with the maris counselor ski lodge room service beware of greeks the perfect guy and bad dog in fairness, there's lots of great episodes back-to-back -back in seasons four, five, and six. Hard to choose, really. Anyway, I'm already excited for the next episode, boys. You're my Monday morning entertainment. Love this podcast. Thank you so much, Sydney. Um, the Mrs. Robinson thing, really gutted about this, because by now, all of you listening will um, have listened to the previous episode, probably. I had scheduled that and edited it to play over when we first mentioned Mr. Song. You know, when you say, oh, I love that Cuckoo could you, Mrs. Robinson. Ross says that. And I start talking about it. And then I played the chorus over us talking like in the background and somehow it got pushed all the way to like five minutes after the show ends. So it's almost like a hidden track on an album now. If you listen to that episode of the podcast and let it run, you'll hear um, Mrs. Robinson at the end. But it's, it's become this mythical thing now. Though. It has. <laughs> and, the fact that he, and the fact that Sydney has found it is kind of amazing. But there you go. Um, but lovely comment. Thank you so much. Next up, we have Ludicrous Poppinjay who says, uh, great job, guys. I think one of the reasons I enjoy your podcast so much is that it's so clear that you're just a couple of old friends enjoying a common interest. And I think that for a lot of us, 
That's something that's been lacking since the pandemic hit. Us who are taking it seriously certainly are hurting for in-person contact with friends and family. And to hear you guys chatting with each other about Frasier and old times together certainly lifts my mood. Oh, uh, that, that's really great. We'd love to hear yeah, that. So That's um, really nice. Yeah, it was really, really great to hear. Thank you. Um, continuing with the comment, um, I'd been thinking about Brian's song since Gail Sayers, the other protagonist in the movie, died a couple of weeks ago. Both he and Brian Piccolo were teammates on the Chicago Bears in the late 60s and they hold the distinction of being the first interracial roommates in the NFL. Previously, hotel and rooming arrangements had been segregated. By all accounts, their relationship was very close and genuine. I'm no big football fan, but unlike Marty, I will readily admit to crying during Brian's song. <laughs> I have the DVDs, but an ideal lineup for me to take to a desert, desert island would probably consist of Joe Keenan farces from beginning to end. Farces are so much fun, and few shows have done them better than Frasier. Remember too much about a dog, uh, Roz in the Doghouse or Seat of Power, but looking forward to your takes on both. Really lovely comment there from Ludicrous Pop and Jay. Um, thank you so much. It's nice that people will comment on the fact that me and you have known each other for so long all the time. Like they clearly don't hate our chemistry, which is good. Um, and that we've, <laughs> never, we've never done anything like this before either, like before the podcast. Um, so it's kind of surreal that it's. Uh, that we, we right, it's not surreal that we clicked from from the start because obviously we've known each other for so long. But you know, we we're both very much singing from the same hymn sheet, and I think that's hard um, to get the balance of on a podcast. Um, and what what's um, the little? I don't think I don't think it counts as an Easter egg. If um, if listeners don't follow us on Twitter, uh, they may have missed this week that um, oh, my mother yeah. sent her first ever tweet. She did. To me. To Will. To Will. <laughs> I was amazed. Not to me. To Will. <laughs> um, with a picture of my five and Sam doll that I think got referred to previously. And um, I responded with the pictures of my Woody and Spider-Man, which you can see from the images are heavily mutilated from years of play. Um, but if you head over to at FraserPod on Twitter, which is the same as our coffee uh, website, you will be able to find that exchange on there and you can see those those beloved toys that Will and uh, that, that I and Key played with, referring to myself in the third person there. It's because I'm seeing all these comments on Reddit. Argo my mom did. Sorry, you carry on. Because my mom did actually text me before she sent that tweet to see if I was okay with it. Oh, that's so sweet. Like, Are you all okay if I, if I send this picture? It's like, yes, that's fine. Oh, man. What a sweet woman. Um, but yeah, go and check that out. We really recommend you go and see the the awful condition that my Woody doll is in. Um, Argle Goggle. Google Goop. Uh, great, great name. <laughs> Rolls that, off the tongue. It really does. Thanks for another entertaining show, Will and Key. Love that you guys look out with the smaller, lesser-noticed things like obscure visual trivia and the opening animations. Have you ever kept track of the different opening instrumental musics as well? Off the top of my head, I can remember at least four completely different ones, including the one you play to open the podcast, with the only variation I remember was Christmas bells accompanying the music for Christmas episodes. I've always appreciated the little thoughtful ways Frasier distinguished itself from many other American sitcoms of its time, e.g. the use of title cards, slash almost no exterior shots, and the occasionally changing instrumental opening music, as opposed to the typical catchy theme song running over the opening credits. And while we're on that topic, love the little attention to detail by including a hospital in your logo this episode. Hope you can make customized logos a regular feature. Um, lovely comment, picking up on so many things I want to talk about here. I'm going to make the little um, customized a picture of a regular thing, just one or two symbols, and I've already got Seat of Powers um, ready to go. Um, but you'll have, you'll have seen that by the time you hear this. And uh, yeah, just uh, we, we do, I think it's about seven 
maybe six or seven different Frasier opening jingles. I'm not sure. They're all on YouTube to listen to. I've not counted specifically how many there are. But my idea is I'm going to pick a different one every season um, for as long as I can do that. I don't think there are 11, but I'm going to just keep doing that. So you'll notice, um, keen listeners will have noticed that season two's episodes have a different jingle at the beginning than season one. And we'll try and remember the Christmas bells one for the Christmas episodes. Um, and I've already got the perfect Christmas animation picture for the for the title card for the for the portrait um, on Spotify as well. So there you go. Um, Argle Gargle continued. Your discussions this week reminded me of two other fond memories from future episodes. Nars's use of puppy toes as a term of endearment for Maris was strangely prophetic. Remember that episode when he first got his four-legged pet Maris, and he re- remarked that he had to pumice her paw pads. Um, great, great observation. When Keys recounted his response to the audibly amorous couple next door, Will asked if he did a Frasier in Bora Bora, presumably. I thought he was going to do a Daphne from season three shrink wrap and offering her take on Nars' problem with a noisy therapist neighbor when she, in Nars' memory, acted at her whole, almost not safe for work response, complete with wild head thrusts. Oh, you are the beast master. Take me, <laughs> devil spawn sex monkey. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> of such amazing comments there. I can imagine, Key, you could have quite easily done that had you wanted to. You were that annoyed. So I could have done. <laughs> yeah. I'll make sure I do that next time. <laughs> um, but brilliant comment there. So many great little observations and stuff. And thank you. Uh, thank you for the, the kind words. So I think that just leaves Mischief Knight and Cam Winston's trivia, uh, little fun bits. So do you want to read Mischief Knight's fun bits? So uh, Mischief's fun bits are a lot of talk about Martin's... Actually, I think, is there a comment just before? He just has a little intro saying, another amazing episode. Always feels like a group of friends just getting together to chat. So I appreciate the sense of community that's been generated by your hard work on the podcast, especially in 2020. Thank you for the compliments and all of our physical looks. Same back to you. (laughs) Both of you have a face for podcasts. <laughs> um, he says he jests. Um, he's got a point for me. <laughs> so, no, he hasn't. Uh, you look like Adam Driver. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Fun bits of his comment. Um, lots of talk about Martin's shoes in this episode, but no mention of his treasured muckabees. That's a really good point, actually. Oh, yeah. Um, and he also identifies that he thinks this is the only musical montage in the entire series. There you um, go. The the LA Raiders, since the airing of this episode, have moved to Oakland and starting this year to Las Vegas. Um, oh, so is, so is it Bulldog have an LA Raiders shirt on then, or is it definitely Sonics, as you thought? I think that, does he mention the Raiders when him and um are discussing? Oh, yeah, sorry, sorry, yeah, because yeah, LA, I, I, was, I saw Oakland and read Oklahoma, and I was thinking of the Sonics, but yeah, Oakland's obviously also in California. So they're another, another football franchise moving, just what? It's the LA Raiders playing in Las Vegas. <laughs> you can you imagine it? It's just, oh, just... Imagine having to like, go to... That's the equivalent of us having to go to Edinburgh to go and see Villa or something. In fact, it's probably way, way further than that, but that's the closest (laughs) I think. Really, it's a really interesting difference, I think, between the two cultures, isn't it? It really is. Final comment is that the Nervosa scene has a very odd placement of a foreground table that really distracts from the right-hand angle which I don't think is usually prominent in any other episode. Wow. I mean, I didn't notice this, but this is the kind of thing I try to look for. And so that that is just like prime comment that I love. I love comments like that. Um, I'm going to have to go back and look now because there's, uh, there is there is episodes in the in the show that do weird things with freight, uh, with Nervosa's furniture. I'm thinking of like the friend when they, for some reason, have a giant tablecloth on the table to hide the fact that Bob's in a wheelchair. Bearing in mind Nervosa never, ever has... Um, 
tablecloths. So, yeah, really interesting there. Um, thank you, Corey. And lastly, Cam Winston put, lads, straight off the bat, let's talk on a, on a tangent about AVFC. 7-2 over Liverpool. So good. And I'm most definitely on board with this club and the Villa train. Back to Frasier. Another good episode of Bearing a Grudge. I didn't especially think this was the strongest episode ever written, but it did have some great moments. And I, I too, do wonder whether Phil Patterson is now Philip Patterson running in California. Burning question is, though, what happened to Artie after this episode? My disc I would take to a desert island. Tough one. Probably season one disc four. So he agrees with Yuki. However, if there's a compilation disc with the best episodes, that would be good too. Peace. Hashtag up the villa. Thank you, Cam Winston. We had to get Villa winning 7-2 on the podcast. We, we could not include that. A lot of Americans, whether you hate football or not, you'll be familiar, I'm sure, with Liverpool. You might not be familiar with Aston Villa before listening to us, but you'll have heard of Liverpool, I'm sure. They are essentially one of the best teams in the world right now, arguably the best team in the world based on the trophies they won. And humble Aston Villa from Birmingham beat them 7-2 uh, last Sunday in what is one of the best nights in our league history. Um, so, yeah, Key and I were in great spirits last Sunday, sharing some messages. So there you go. Thank you, everyone who wrote in this week for listener mail. Great to hear from you all, um, as always. Keep them coming. And as always, just a quick reminder at ko-fi.com slash FraserPod. If you want to buy Key and I a virtual coffee to tip us, you can. And there's some bonuses for doing that, which you'll find on the website. Um, next week, we'll be looking at... Uh, I can't even remember the episode, Key. What's next week? Well, I'm glad you asked, Will, because um, as soon as I finish this little bit yeah where i'm trying to clearly fill for time by uh... okay, i've got the episode <laughs> we both did a great <laughs> job there it is retirement is murder and i love that episode right so, is this the one with the monkey yes so really <laughs> really all i can see in my head is fraser holding up the portrait of the monkey i give you the murderer <laughs> so <laughs> cannot wait for that episode um but until then i've been will thank you thank you very much for listening to weird listening Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling, tossed salads and scrambled eggs. Oh, my. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegs. Ha, 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 ha. But I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs.